Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Nurturing Bright Futures, the HE podcast from UEA. My name's Alex and this month I'm joined by our HE advisor, Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, Alex. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Um, So here we are in February and the extended UCAS deadline has just passed. So congratulations to all our listeners on getting your students that far in what has been a crazy year. So Jess, can you just tell us about options if any students haven't yet applied for university? Absolutely. So I do also want to congratulate all the teachers, advisors out there for all of your hard work and particularly working towards a deadline which has then been extended, but obviously has passed last week. So thank you so much. Really do hope that most of your students manage to get their applications in. But we do understand that students do have a change of heart. Some people who didn't think that they were going to go to university do decide that they would like to change their mind. And so for the vast majority of courses and for a lot of universities, it may not be too late. Many universities will still have places on their courses and so they can still apply they have up until the 30th of June under the normal cycle or they can also apply for clearing later on obviously this is with the exception of things like medicine veterinary dentistry where quite often there aren't as many places available but applications previously before the deadline would have been an equal consideration but now they would be considered on a first come first serve basis depending on how many places are left on courses and so it is worthwhile for the students just to speak to those universities have a look on UCAS to see what is still available and obviously the earlier the students submit their applications the more likely they are to be able to still find a place at their chosen university or on those courses but please do speak to the individual universities. We've had quite a few questions coming in from teachers about you know all the changes that have come about because of the pandemic and particularly how it's going to affect university admissions so you know maybe even looking forward to September 2022 and you know will there be a rise in deferred applications and things like that have you got any insight on that? Well, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, so we can't say exactly how it is going to be. But if we look at what's happened this year, we haven't actually had an increase in deferred um, applications. In fact, our deferred applications are a couple of hundred down on this time last year. But it is a bit hard to compare this year to last year because of the fact that the the deadline has been extended but it is a case that many students just don't know what's happening we may find that deferrals do increase as we go up to the um or the start of term in september but at the minute we can't see a huge change with the number of deferrals that have happened and the only thing that in terms of next year's admissions or what how the pandemic has affected things is that Obviously, we will, and we do say this every year, we do view the application and the applicant holistically. So we do look at their grades, we look at their personal statements, and obviously we know that many of these students who will be applying may have had several years of interrupted grading or examinations and things like that so we will try to be as flexible as possible but obviously what we would advise is that teachers and students and advisors do just keep an eye on university websites are having those open and honest conversations with the admissions departments particularly on open days and things like that but we are always here to help but as things currently stand 
in terms of things like deferred applications, we have actually seen a slight drop as opposed to an increase. However, that may change. So if we're not seeing deferrals, does that mean perhaps there's more competition for places and does that have more of an effect for some subjects than others? It does depend on the course and it does depend obviously on the university. From our point of view, really, obviously the certain courses that will always be particularly competitive and we've seen that this year things like medicine physiotherapy midwifery they've remained very very competitive for us and we haven't seen large numbers of deferrals for those courses Um, and health related courses have been particularly strong this year particularly at UEA and I wonder if that is something to do with the pandemic that people are seeing these courses these jobs that are available and they are wanting to make those differences in terms of the application process this year It has taken slightly longer in terms of the impact of the pandemic because obviously decisions have been made ever so slightly later. The deadlines have been later. We've had to switch to online interviews. So that's taken a little bit longer to actually deliver those online interviews. And there is still that uncertainty about the almost what's going to happen on A-level results day. So there is still that fallout from the pandemic. We haven't seen huge increased competition for places, but particularly for those health-related courses and those courses that have always been competitive, they have still remained the same. Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education advice podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. Now, I'd like to welcome Andrew Sage, who's come to talk to us about social work. Hi, Andrew. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us. If you could just introduce yourself and if you could just tell us a little bit about why students might want to study social work and basically what it is. So my name's Andrew um, and one of the roles I have currently is the admissions director for the School of Social Work. Uh, but I'm also a lecturer in the school. But what, what you just asked me about, uh, what is social work? I mean, that's <laughs> that's a really good place to start and actually is... Um, the first lecture that students will have when they join our course um, and part of the reason is is because it's not a straightforward thing to say what social work is um, you can look at it as an international profession you can look at it as an academic di- discipline you can look at it as a practice and and all of these things are correct and that you'll find those in the different definitions uh, of what social work is but I suppose to help young people understand or people that are thinking about training as a social worker understand what social work is about it's essentially working alongside people to help make their life better and and so it's it's about that individual it's about the social world they they find themselves in and that's from the relationships that they have on a one-to-one basis but also to the families they find themselves in the community and wider society so it's it's really about what's called the psycho and the social. So the psycho is the individual and, and the social is the wider context in which people find themselves. Most of the time, it's, it's about supporting people to, to take control of their lives and make the most of their lives. It's about potential. But also, at, at times, it's about ensuring people who don't have that control in their lives still have a voice and, and are safe. So... That could be the older person with dementia who who might be at risk of financial exploitation. It could be somebody with mental health challenges, someone that is having a, a psychotic episode who who who's a risk to themselves. They can't look after themselves, um, or maybe even a risk to others because of the the way that their illness is manifesting in them. Uh, but it could also be the the child who is living in a in an environment of neglect or abuse. Each of those people, each of those people in those situations may not have a voice, may not be able to have control in their lives for various different reasons. And and social workers 
support each of those people in ensuring that they are safe and, and that they get that chance to make the most of their life. And that covers such a broad range of areas and people that they may be engaging with. I assume that on part of, as you go through the course, that there are quite a range of placements to cover those different areas. Placements is definitely one part of the programme. But I mean, before we get to the placements, um, the sessions are taught um, by not only academics, um, who will provide the sort of like the theoretical and the research basis for social work, but also by current practitioners and equally, if not more important, at the heart of everything that is done at UEA um, and social work programmes in general, it are, are the service users and carers, as in people with lived experience of receiving a social work service, either for themselves or for somebody that they're helping to support. So we, we rely on the expertise of each of these partners in, in the programme. Um, and that means that certain sessions will enable uh, students to ask questions to practitioners about what it is like to be a social worker in a particular field. So um, one of the uh, programmes that I'm involved in teaching is called Social Work in Context. It's a, a first year programme and, and we, we bring in a range of practitioners to introduce the students, some of whom will have very little understanding of social work, but some understanding, um, so that they get a sense of what social work looks like across these different fields to see the similarities that tie the profession together, but also to understand how there are, there are differences in, in the way that we work with different individuals. But also, at the, when I say at the heart of everything we do, it's really important to get a sense of the, the experience of receiving a social work service, like I say, directly or as a carer. And it can be something as simple as the impact of having somebody turn up for the first time at your house, the first time that you've asked for help and, and they turn up late and basically they, they, they're sitting in their car outside your house before they enter and knock on the door. And it's about that emotional experience for that person waiting to find out whether they can get help at a time when they're probably at their most distressed. And, and it's really, really powerful to hear people's experiences about the, the things that help in those challenging situations. You asked me also about placements and, and placements are a key part of the social work degree programme. Um, because social work is a practice, placements form an essential part of your learning and your teaching across, across those three years. And it, it's really important to understand that it is a, a supported journey from first year through to that final year. So in year one, the first sort of like exposure to social work in real life, in practice, is, is a shadow emplacement. And basically students get a chance to, to follow around a social worker or members of a social work team to get a sense of what they do, to ask those questions about why have you asked that? Why, why are you doing that? To really sort of just find out what it's like to go and do a visit to somebody alongside that social worker. So that, that's that first experience. And it's really, really sort of like a, a good introduction to starting to make sense of everything that the, the student has gained from the lectures up until that point. It, it puts it again into practice, which is what social work is all about. In year two, the placement is 70 days. And that, that starts generally in the early part of the uh, year. And, and that placement will be something which starts with more shadowing as the student understands the team in which they find themselves in, the organisation in which they find themselves in, but also the, the wider network around that team 
in terms of other services, other aspects of the organisation that may work alongside or impact on the work that's done in that team. And again, you're supported in doing this across that, that placement. And by the end of those 70 days, you will have started to lead on certain activities. In year three, you'll have a 100-day placement. Now that placement, again, will start with shadowing because again, it will be a different team, it will be a different organisation. And so you need to get a sense of bearings about what social work is in that, in that organisation and team. But you're expected to start at a different place from your 70 days. You've already got some sense and undertaken some of the assessment tasks and other social work activities in that first placement. So you're, you're ready to start sooner. And by the end of those 100 days, you're essentially, in terms of practice, ready to be a newly qualified social worker. And when I say you're supported from that year one through to year three, what I mean is you'll have somebody in placement who is called a practice educator, who is a qualified social worker, who is experienced in understanding how to support a student, make the most of their placement opportunity but also you'll be supported from the university as well. We don't just abandon you to the placement experience. You'll have an academic advisor throughout your time on the course who's there as your first point of contact if there's any questions or challenges you have that are getting in the way of your academic study, but also as that person to stay in touch with you whilst you're on placement. And they'll visit you generally twice, sometimes more, if, if you'd like them to when you're on that placement. And other things as well as you'll be brought back into the university environment while on placement as well to explore the learning you're gaining amongst your peers. So there are different ways that we support your development at your pace, but in a way that prepares you to be ready for a long future career in, in social work. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. In terms of some of the questions that I know students ask us about, or applicants possibly ask us about placements, is do I get to choose? Um, and, and the answer quite simply to that is no, because it, it isn't possible to, to choose for every, every, every student to have a choice in their, in their uh, placement. But what we do do is we try and work with you across those two main placements, the 70 and the 100 days, to ensure that you have a, a an experience of working within children and family social work, but also within adult social work. It's really important, again, to make sure that you're prepared to be a social worker who can work with children and families or adults and in whatever service area once you're qualified. So that's that one way that we support that learning for you. But we also try and work with what your career aspirations are. So if you have a sense of where you want to end up, whether that is in adult or children and family social work, we'll try and work with you to support that your, your placement will provide you with the best opportunities there. So perhaps you might want your 100-day placement to be working with children and families. So wherever possible, we will try and accommodate that. And other factors to, just to bear in mind is that driving isn't essential to get onto the programme at, at UEA and some university courses it is but it does have an impact on the range of placement opportunities that students can have. The reason being the region of East Anglia is quite rural at times, public transport isn't that great always and so basically being able to drive and access service users and carers where they are in their lives, in, in their homes, often requires a car. However, you only would need a car on the, on the two placement experiences if you have one if you don't have access to a car, that, that isn't a problem. It doesn't prevent you from being offered a place in the course or from qualifying. It just has a, an impact on the, on the range of placement opportunities we can offer you.
Thank you very much. I mean, obviously, I know that that is when they're on the course and when they're thinking about the actual steps to applying and some of the things that you might be looking at in terms of an applicant. I was just wondering if you could briefly tell me a little bit about the application process um, and then moving past that, briefly just talk about some of the professional qualifications, accreditations and career prospects. Yeah, of course. I mean, I suppose apl applying to the social work programme is, is slightly different to the standard application through UCAS. We do still use UCAS um, and the personal statement really matters for us, as in we read everyone and we want to see in there a sense of the person and why they want to do social work. But also other aspects are involved in the application is that we do also require student or applicants rather to have some work experience in some form, ideally working with vulnerable group in some way that could be volunteering or paid it doesn't have to be full-time but over a period of time and, and we're quite creative what that means because if you think about vulnerable group uh, uh, children for example by their very definition can be seen as vulnerable because they're not able to make decisions in their lives so it could be for example somebody's part of a youth club or, or in brownies or guys or a, a church group or something where they've got some sort of role supporting young people it could be in terms of uh, babysitting, it could be mentoring in school or college, helping support the learning of others who are perhaps finding it hard with their English or maths, for example. So there's a range of different ways that we can try and capture some, some sort of experience. Um, it doesn't just have to be working with in the care sector at all. And we're, if you've got questions about that, do get in touch with the admissions team and, and they'll be able to help around sort of like explaining a bit more about the, the work experience aspect. We also want our applicants to consider their own personal experiences as well and, and these areas will be sort of like covered in in the interview process because again at, unlike some courses our application process involves a number of different stages and and if you're interview if you're offered an interview you'll you'll be involved in a group activity with other people that have applied to the course and you also have a, an interview which involves a practitioner a service user and carer and an academic and we're looking at drawing out your experiences to get a sense of your, your motivation and your understanding of what social work is. Because it is a challenging but rewarding career and you really need to know why you want to go into it. The final thing that is slightly different to some programmes is that you'll be asked to complete a declaration of suitability as well, which sort of looks at whether, uh, it looks at in terms of whether you have any criminal convictions or whether there's any health needs you have. Um, and if there are any issues, do not think that they would automatically screen you out. Again, you can contact the admissions team for some guidance. We can complete the form and you'll have an opportunity to put across the challenges that you've experienced and, and, and explain a bit more about why social work still is a suitable career for you. And finally, just what you said about what, what qualification you come out with. It is a dual qualification, as in you get a, an academic and a professional qualification. That's one of the advantages of the social work programme because the course is regulated by Social Work England and once you've graduated, the degree that you have, you can apply to Social Work England to have the title of social worker. The degree enables you to do that. And once you have that degree, employment prospects are very good for social work in general, um, but especially for, for the programme at UEA. Consistently, we have 100% of our undergraduates in employment six months after graduation. Essentially, if they want to find employment, they do. Um, that's not the same for all programmes, although employment in general for social work is really, really good. 
And as a career, it's really, really diverse in terms of the roles that you have, the services you could work with, where it then takes you, whether it's into education, development, research, charities, policy development. In that sense, social work as a career offers a lot. And it is a career where you'll continue to learn about yourself, you'll develop, and it will enable you to, to bring that creative aspect of you into the work that you do. Thank you so much, Andrew. That was such a comprehensive overview of our social work course. And it was really interesting to hear about the structure of the course, the placements, and a little bit more about the application process. So thank you very much. We really appreciate your time today. That's great. I, I'm always available to talk to people if they're interested in, in applying to the programme as well. So yeah, if, they, if they've got any questions for me, please get in touch. Thank you so much. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. So that's it for now, but thank you so much to Jess and Andrew for joining us. If you do have any students who you think might be interested in social work, we're going to be holding some online sessions in March in partnership with Norfolk County Council. It's going to be a great chance to learn more about social work by hearing directly from some social workers themselves. And of course, there'll be a chance for students to submit questions during the session. It's going to be free and very friendly. So if you're interested, just drop us an email or keep an eye on the subject taster page of our website. And I'll pop a link to that in the notes. But otherwise, have a great month. Thanks for joining us. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion, or ask us a question, drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.